and welcome to This Movie is Gay, a podcast that takes your favorite apparently heterosexual films and demonstrates why that is, in fact, not the case. I'm Haley. I'm Emma. And this week we have yet another new to us <laughs> 80s bonkers ass. Like, I don't even know what this movie is. Um, by which I mean Chariots of Fire. Chariots of Fire. We, I feel like we need to perform the famous number from this now. <laughs> Please be my guest. No, I'm good. It might happen at some point, though. Um, good, can't wait. Yeah, the 1981 British movie about some boys who go become Olympic runners, mm-hmm. uh, mostly famous for its soundtrack, I would say. Yeah, yeah, a weirdly sort of power ballady and yet very synthy 80s. I yeah. must say a fascinating example of like a period piece with a contemporary soundtrack that now yeah. sounds super dated and weird. Like, yeah, as I weird. was watching it, I was like, what are they, why did they do this? Why is it this synth over these like early 1900 scenes? And then I was like, oh wait, this is exactly the same as Marie Antoinette using pop mm-hmm. music, except for right. it sounds out of date now. It reminded me a little bit of the soundtrack of Dead Poets Society, actually, which was also made in the 80s, you know, mm. of like, it has that kind of, and which is early also 90s, set early, right. Right. But which is also set earlier in the century. And I was just like, and in a similar sort of posh all boys environment. And I was like, why do we keep putting synths under these boys? I don't know, but we are back in our home, our home region of gay posh white boys. Yep. It's, it's where we live. We're not proud and we're sorry, but we are home. (laughs) Here we are. We can't help where we come from. Mm -mm, Um, We can't. Well, shall we delve right into a plot summary? Because I think it's going to be a pretty brief one. Um, let's see. Yeah. So, Chariot to Fire, we begin with a framing device that I guarantee you will have forgotten about by the time you get to the end of this movie. I did. <laughs> an old British man is giving a eulogy for someone who we learn was a runner on the like Olympic, the great British Olympics team of 1924. Um, and we pretty quickly flash back to said Olympics team. And then we flash back again to the sort of journeys of the two star runners of this team, um, named mm. Abrahams and Little. Uh, Abrahams is a very sort of striving Jewish kind of spiky personality who very, with a great deal of self-awareness, like this isn't subtext, tells people he runs in order to like basically prove himself to the kind of like Anglo Christian world that he feels has always held him back. Um, And on the other hand, we have Little, who is a Scottish minister, like missionary's son, who's very devoutly Christian and is going to become like a minister himself, who runs in a sort of like divine ecstasy and is kind of widely agreed by everyone who sees him to just be the most incredible, fastest, best runner that everyone's ever seen, despite the fact that he flaps his little arms like a chicken when he runs. Um, And the two of them just sort of make their way to the Olympics. Little is kind of half-heartedly held back by his sister who feels like he's paying too much attention to running and not enough attention to God. Um, Abrahams loses to Little, kind of sort has a two minute crisis of faith and then hires a coach um, played by our beloved Ian Holm, rest in peace. (laughs) And (laughs) they make it to the Olympics with some of their friends both of them, there's again, almost a conflict where there's going to be mm. a qualifying race on a Sunday and Little won't run. So they just switch him to a different event because that's what you could do back in the day. <laughs> um, both of them win gold medals and then they go home. The end. The end. <laughs> yeah, there's so, I mean, there are so many things. That... It is such a badly structured movie. I mean, nothing happens. I and was, yet, I was... So- yeah no go for it well just nothing happens and yet it is full of something and I spent the entire movie waiting for it to be about things that it didn't turn out to be about and people and relationships that it didn't turn out to be about Mm -hmm. but it is gay because we're here so what is it full of gayness gayness it's full of gayness yeah it's so famous I was expecting it to be uh better um Me too. But it has that weird, well, that's the thing is that it's not about what it's about. It's like the, it has that 
faithfulness to a historical event problem mm -hmm. of like, and then they did this and we have to dramatize it because that's what happened. And then this, you know, oh, and yeah. it's just sort of serial. It's, and it doesn't pay any attention to kind of building up the relationships in no. between these sort of like set piece events. No. Like there is in theory a rivalry between Little and Abraham. So then of course they both end up on the Great Britain team because in the Olympics, right. England and Scotland compete together. Right. So it's like, but, and yeah, it's not the story of like two rivals turned teammates. So of course, weirdly when you're in the Olympics, you're still rivals with your teammates. Like it's nothing, none right. of that, none of that. Like no. Abraham's is obsessed with beating Little because Little is the best. Then yes. they end up not even competing against each other in the Olympics at all. And Little never even really knows that Abrahams exists. They have a they have one pretty gay handshake. They do. That's that's all. That's all. And it is a it is a shining moment. But Abraham's, yeah, Abraham's relationship to Little is so different than Little's relationship to Abraham's. And it's just like yeah. They, well, yeah, it just kept not doing what I expected it to do, which in a way made it interesting to watch. But I was also, by the end, the sum of its parts was so confusing to me. I was like, well, what just happened? Yeah, it's a, it's, it's a weird movie, but it, it is. is also gay. So it is gay. let's break it down. <laughs> Since we just established that there's no plot and there's no real relationships, yes. why is it gay? And that is what we're here to elucidate for you, the listener. Um, so I, when I was making our sort of outline for this episode, um, I came up with three key concepts of things that are gay to sort of orient our discussion around. The first one is um, uh, the subtitle I've given it is, you have to live for these boys who died is gay. Um, by which I mean, so the movie begins, I mean, it, does, it begins in 17 different places, but one of its beginnings is when all the boys are coming to Oxford, Cambridge, I've already forgotten. Oxford, I've already forgotten. Oxford. One of the ones, um, I'm pretty sure it's Oxford, for their, for, to begin university. And they, it's 1919 and in their kind of opening meal, one of the like teachers gives a speech that's basically like, look at this list of all these boys who died in World War One. You have to live for them. You have to fulfill their dreams. Mm -hmm. uh, you don't know how important all of them were because you all were too young for the war, but trust me, like you have a lot to live up to, which you yeah. think would be setting up a major sort of like conflict or source of tension through the movie, but it isn't. Nope. But it's interesting because I feel like we, in trying to like think of movies to do for this podcast, keep returning to movies of that sort of like World War One immediately post-war yeah. era and not being able to do them because they're explicitly queer. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. And you know, it's interesting because there were moments in this where, because it's, it's, a, it's such a similar mood and era and place to Morris and Brideshead and those things, those things that we love and can't do because of their extreme homosexuality. There's even, <laughs> there's even, I will say right now that Morris, the, Mer the Merchant Ivory film is one of my favorite movies. And um, there is a moment, there's a sort of transitional moment. All I, one of my favorite sort of cliche usages of films set in these places and times is the use of um, college boys choirs. Mm, and classic. there is classic. And there is a moment where the like Cambridge College, like boys singers or whatever, um, do. There's a passing moment in Chariots of Fire that uses a song that is used in Morris. It's like a piece nice. of Mozart. And there was a moment, there was just a moment where I was like, ah, oh, here it is. We're home. We're home <laughs> to our place. It was, we did have a very good moment where this movie was suggested to us and as mentioned, neither of us had seen it. And we were both right. like, isn't it actually gay? Yeah. And then I uttered the words looking it up on Wikipedia. Oh, he's not gay, he's Jewish. Yeah. <laughs> but we'll yeah. go into that and why those things merge in my brain a little yeah. bit later. But yeah, yeah, there is just something that's very like, um, I mean, <laughs> that seminal piece of post-World War One literature, The Lord of the Rings, um, <laughs> that uh you know mournful sense of sort of being called upon to live someone else's life which is like very explicitly what they are told yeah. to do in the opening moments of this movie right um feels like an energy that we've talked about before is feeling quite it's gay. also it's also explicit in dead poet society yes of the same thing of like of the same energy of look at these boys photos they're dead live because they can't 
Yes. That's so interesting. Yeah. I mean, and yeah. is it something to do? I mean, these are both early 80s movies. Yes. So I can't quite. I know Dead Poets is early 90s. So I think could, Dead Poets is like 89, I think, or 90. Right. It's like it's the end of the decade. Yeah. But this is 81. Right. So it's like you can't. I think that sort of post facto, yes. the thing it makes me think of is the mm. sort of like AIDS lost generation. And I think yes. that like a sense that a lot of young queer men in particular but also like weirdly mm. I think something that we've experienced is like theater people the sense mm. of like there's a lost generation for whom you are responsible yes. and also they were all gay yes um, yes I think it's worth mentioning in the same breath that Ian Charleston who plays Eric Little died of AIDS quite young mm-hmm. and and so I don't know we've talked recently about a bunch of different different American movies made in the 80s that are sort of haunted by the deaths of the of the young stars and this is another one yeah yeah. Ben Cross, who played um, Abraham's, actually died last year. Hmm. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're also like a bunch of weird little sort of winking ghosts of gay shit that reminds us of similar similar um, movies and periods in the movie. Like obviously Ian Holm is here, but so is Richard Griffiths. Yes, in a very odd tiny cameo as a college porter. Yes, just one scene. But anytime you see him, you know, of course, automatically we're like, oh, History Boys here, you know, and just like the the whole oeuvre of Richard Griffiths. It's just very much living in, and again, like so many of the movies of this era are gay. (laughs) You just like, as soon as we're in Oxford and there's a bunch of boys having homosocial bonds, I was like, who's going to kiss? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and I mean, I don't know if it's too soon to bring him in, but I kept, because when you, when we're watching through this lens that we use for everything, a movie that has been recommended to us, but which neither of us have seen, of course, immediately the antenna are sort of out for like, where is the gay going to emerge? Like, what is the relationship? to watch this? (laughs) Right. And so in the beginning, the sort of, you're just sort of spinning around trying to absorb where the clues are coming from. Mm. And Abraham's and Montague, who Montague is a character we sort of haven't introduced yet. They have, um, they have kind of a meet cute at the very beginning on their way into the college yeah. that, that put my sort of antenna up and in a way in the wrong direction, but also sort of the right direction as I'm sure we'll get into, but. Yeah. Well, the thing yeah. that really drew my attention about Montague is that he is the character that, who is giving the eulogy at the beginning. Yes. And then he trans, and then that sort of bleeds into him Right. narrating them being at the Olympic camp, like writing a letter home. Right. And that narration brings us then back into our third layer then, of flashback. I know there's so many layers of flashback. It's I was very, like, and now we're in 1919. We're meeting at college. Yeah. But anyway, but so he's sort of a little bit a badly integrated narrator figure. And we sort of like see him see a lot of things. And he yeah. is, again, a very underdeveloped character who yeah. could have an arc of his own he comes in last in his race in the olympics and it's like very sad but by that point you're like who are you again um but it's interesting and again like thinking of things that we've since seen that like sort of make you like ping he is the actor who plays horatio in kenneth Branagh's hamlet yeah who is a character who so perfectly fits that kind of gay narrator yeah like position that we've talked about before yeah um so my attention was drawn to him really early as well for exactly yeah that for all of those reasons of like, ah, here's our observer character who I will bet, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> cold hard cash is going to be yeah. in love with the some- gay one. Well, and the thing is he is, there was also in, <laughs> in that, in that little meet cute, there's an exchange that put my antenna up right away because we think, you know, so often there aren't as many clear cut pairs Mm-hmm. that actually have relationship in this movie as I thought there were going to be. Mm-hmm. But at the very beginning, there's an exchange between Montague and Abrahams that made me think it was going to be them because when they meet and um, somehow reveal that they're both runners, mm-hmm. um, there's a moment where Montague, I think, says, the only trouble is I can't stand getting beaten. How about you? And Abraham says, I don't know. I've never lost. <laughs> <laughs> and so right away, I was like, oh, it's this. Yeah, yeah. Well, maybe let's transition then right into my next point, which I called being excellent as revenge is gay, (laughs) Um, which is basically Abraham's whole energy. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. Ooh, yeah. Being excellent as a as a revenge Mm -hmm. is gay. 
Ooh, expand on that. That's a juicy idea. Well, because that's basically, I mean, that thing you just said of like, I don't know, I've never lost. It's sort of his right. energy. He's a sort of aggressive one. He's not very nice. Um, no. He's not very interested in anything but winning. Um, and he, again, like I said before, like explicitly says out loud to multiple people, like I run as a fuck you to like white, I mean, he's white, but like, you know, Anglo Christian English society that looks down on me um, and, you know, says that I'll never be good enough. And he like has like this really self-pitying phrase where he calls himself, uh, what is it? Something deprived. Like a- Oh, yeah. Uh, I can't remember the exact phrase he uses, but he basically means like what he's, how he defines it is they lead me to water, but they won't let me drink. He's a, he yeah. sees him. He has a very clear consciousness of himself as a sort of token amongst yeah. his peers and a sort of model minority who is yeah. expected to act certain ways, but not demand too much. Right. And there are a couple of scenes where you do sort of see him facing, facing kind of casual microaggressions and sort of prejudice from college dons and stuff Mm -hmm. like that. One of whom is played by Gilgood. Yes. (laughs) I was like, as soon as the old dons or whatever started talking, I was like, Sir John, (laughs) what are you doing? Speaking of effete gayness, like slithering all over this film. (laughs) I don't know. But yeah, there are moments and he tells a story about he, he, he frames his family's immigration. Like he tells mm-hmm. the story about like his father was a Lithuanian Jew who immigrated and mm-hmm. he really admires his father. And like, you know, he just like lays it all out really explicitly. Yeah. And he's like, my brother's a doctor and like, here I am at like, you know, the greatest university. Um, but yeah, he's also the victim of like a bunch of, I guess what you could call microaggressions and other yeah. sort of more aggression. Aggressions, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, like people it's clear that the Dons don't want him representing the university and like are uncomfortable with the idea that he is going to be kind of the guy they send out into the world as like this great talent until he keeps winning and winning. And then, you know, there's a scene where he wins his gold medal at the Olympics and then someone brings in a newspaper and the Dons are sort of give each other this smug smile, like, ah, good, yes. He's he's one of ours, right? Yeah, and it's sort of like, you you don't get him, not after how you've treated him. But um, Mm. yeah, and I guess like, we'll get maybe more into this um, difference, but it's sort of Mm. like, if there's a, like, the thing that fuels Abraham's speed is anger. Yes. Yes. He even has a phrase. I think it's about running, but I, I only, I didn't take down the context, only the phrase, but he Mm. has a moment at some point where he says it's an ache, a helplessness and anger. Yeah. He describes himself as an addict more than once. Yeah, that's right. Um, and Mm. his whole thing is like, after he wins, he's really sad. Yeah, he is. What is that about? It isn't enough. I mean, I have a lot of weird feelings about the sort of like contrast they set up between him and Little and how Little running for the sort of like glory and joy of faith and God is ultimately more uplifting than the secular Jewish, you know, Abrahams who's running, we are meant to think for kind of the wrong reasons. And it like, Treads on anti-Semitism for me. Mm, yeah. um, I think there's something a bit troubling about who is depicted as running in the right way and getting the right rewards, yeah. and how, yeah, we're meant to feel that Abraham's is kind of maybe doing it wrong. Interesting. His heart is in the wrong place somehow. Mm, yeah, and how and how sort of spiky he is, and mm-hmm. how how single-minded and kind of forthright he is about about his goals mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and yeah, I don't know, just sort of how uncompromising he is. I don't know. Yeah. I wondered what you thought about that because obviously like, you know, so often in period pieces, what we're talking about, what, when we talk about difference as an allegory for queerness, mm-hmm. what does that, what does that mean when you already are different in a way that is perceived by you and advertised by you? Yeah. I mean, and I think this is what I was thinking about a second ago when I was like, right. we'll talk more about why I think, um, I mean, basically I think yeah. Judaism is a particularly sort of like useful metaphor for queerness in that it is a form of difference that is invisible and easily assimilated. Um, right. I mean, kind of in the ways that we were talking about with Prince of Egypt, you yeah. sort of, um, 
the resentment for Abraham's in some ways feels like he can't assimilate enough. He can't erase enough of himself in order to fit in. And it's sort of unclear mm-hmm. how much he wants to versus like, he's just not allowed to. Right. Um, but in right. that way, it's sort of, it, it can feel, it feels like the same kind of type of difference as queerness in the sense of like, it's not necessarily something you can see. Mm. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah. And, yeah, I think it also ties in then as well to sort of later kind of associations with, you know, Jewish men being a feat and also the fact that like the great writers of the 20th century were all like closeted gay Jews. So yeah, yeah. there's a lot happening there culturally as well. Yeah, yeah, that's super interesting. I'm pondering the, the, the to what degree, to what degree does the character wish the difference away or the, and to what degree does the world just not let him, you know, the complicated relationship that Abrahams has of kind of anger and pride yeah. to, to his difference is, it's interesting and it does feel queer. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it is really, really interesting. His sort of, I, I read it, I guess, in, in watching it, like he, his, like he felt he would never be able to assimilate properly so he didn't want to or try so instead he like really pushes the difference on everyone you know in order to like claim it first yeah no I think that's I think that is right and that's sort of yeah he articulates it with the running is like right I'll do this thing that nobody can kind of deny right right yes yeah and so he's already in the position of a kind of cultural outsider in a certain sense which he sort of wears as a badge of honor and uses as a thing but then so is little in a different kind of way yeah i to backtrack really quickly to the thing you said about one moment that i just remembered is that one of abraham's things is that he loves gilbert and sullivan Yep. And Which is, there's a weird ton of it in this film. A lot of, like, more time is spent watching Gilbert and Sullivan than developing any pair of relationships in the movie. It was like, no one has ever needed to see this much of Three Little Maids from school. Ever. No <laughs> Even one. when watching the Mikado for real. Um, yeah. But there is one of the moments that they sort of, again, show more of than you think is strictly necessary is little, I mean, not little, Abraham's performing I don't know my Gilbert and Sullivan well enough to know what this is yes. from. I assume Pirates of Penzance, a song whose refrain is he is a true Englishman. Yes, there's a huge, and it scores, that song scores a whole long sequence that ends with you seeing him playing it. But, yes. and it's after he says something sort of, you know, defiant and passionate and then the music starts and you're like, wow, we're really doing this. Yeah, I think it's after the conversation he has with Montague where he- yeah. He- I'm says he says all this stuff about his dad and immigration right. and like I run to basically be like fuck you old guys right 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 and then the song is a real true Englishman right and then he's playing it and at the center of the- there are also a couple there's like a there's a set of running boys who are almost characters mm-hmm. and then there's a set of Gilbert and Sullivan boys who are even less characters but who are definitely sort of nerd gay hangers on of Abraham's yes and there's like that one boy with the glasses yes. who's like who's like very obsessed with him. Yeah, and like only because of the glasses does he stand out as anything more than an extra. Like I only realized it was like the glasses were how I realized yeah. it was the same guy in recurring scenes throughout. I know, but it's so weird because it's like it establishes because those those the musical theater boys <laughs> keep keep showing up uh-huh. like with or near Abraham's as he's running and stuff in the kind of early to middle part of the film, and it's like. It's an, if he's established as like really having that as a part of his like life at college too. And also having a friend group, like he has a lot of friends, unlike Little who has his sister and like a guy that they both know whose kind of relationship to the family isn't super clear. Very obscure. He's very isolated. He doesn't really have anybody. But Jesus. But he has God. (laughs) Um. But before we talk about Little, should we talk yes. about Abrahams and Montague yes. a bit more? Yes. Yeah. Um, because that is sort of one of the only kind of relationships that feels gay rather than just like characters who feels gay. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, Montague is, like I said, my antenna, my antenna went up right at the beginning because they sort of bump into each other on like a platform mm -hmm. and then they, and, you know, and I was just like, oh, it's the meat cute. And the thing is, I was only half wrong because yeah. as the movie develops, it's sort of just like, at fr I was like, oh, okay. So the plot of this for Montague, who's clearly never going to have anything else, is that he's just absolutely desperately in love with this man from the very beginning mm -hmm. and then becomes his sort of like, like valet hype man side piece who mm -hmm. just like travels the world with him it's very odd like it's, i don't know that we really ever see him running despite him also no. being a runner nope no and then at some point uh when the reason that we're at the mikado ostensibly is that montague has a crush on a girl who abrahams then steals from him just shamelessly and immediately Immediately. Montague's brought him to look at this like actress that he likes. Yeah. And then Abraham's is just like, I'll be having that. And he asks her to dinner. And then he fucking, there's a moment where he's like, where did I write? He says, he says, sorry, Monty, after he asks the girl to dinner. And Montague is just like, Mm. like he has a little sad baby face and you're just mm -hmm. like the, the weird cauldron of sexual jealousy here is not what you think it is Aubrey Montague Aubrey Montague <laughs> and speaking of things that don't develop in the way you expect them to we never reference the potential jealousy again no, it is we never not do. a thing that matters it does not no. become like a sticking point in their relationship there are multiple scenes I mean really there's this and one other scene where I'm like in a different movie this mm -hmm. would be the source of a massive conflict and blow yes. up between the two of them because yes. like Abrahams is incredibly insensitive to Montague a lot yeah um but it never materializes into anything no because Montague's love for Abrahams <laughs> is is greater than all things and framed by the fact that Montague is delivering his eulogy. Yeah. 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 With, like, with the woman oh. who becomes Abraham's girlfriend, nowhere to be seen. Yeah. Where's his, I think, and I think at the end it says becomes his wife. Yeah. I mean, maybe yeah. she was already dead or whatever, but it is a bit like, why? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, she doesn't matter at all. It's again, as we always have, this sort of odd, really sort of posed and artificial feeling gloss of heterosexuality, mm -hmm. which, you know, what's interesting is the film is also really coy about it. They repeatedly hide uh, Abraham's and the woman kissing behind her hat mm. from the camera. There's only so one, odd. there's only one kiss that you can actually see in I the film. Notice that at all. No, they hide the first kiss behind the brim of a hat and they hide the last kiss on behind the brim of a hat. And then in the middle, he dumps her for running. In the middle, he dumps her for running. She's like, don't go. And he's like, I must. Yeah, he's like, I can't focus on the running with you. Right. Around. And then she comes to the station and is like, you're right, I'm so sorry. Yeah, and then he kisses her. And they hide it behind a hat and then he gets on a train. And I was like, why is the movie going to such, it, it's just, I don't know. The performance is also really kind of arch and, and shaped in a kind of period way that is like, all right, this may well have been what courtship feels like, but it feels so posy and artificial. And then she never matters to the plots. I don't know. The whole thing feels really coy to me. It's really, really odd. It doesn't, I mean, again, it's like, it's, it feels like the movie keeps trying to throw in things to be conflict, but doesn't then develop them. It feels like a Julian yeah. Phillips script in that respect. It's like <laughs> throwing in incidents and it's like yeah. follow up on the incidents and yes. give the characters time and space to react to that incident, but that never happens. Yeah. You just end yeah. up with this sort of like collection of stuff and you're just like, well, we've got the posh boy, we've got Montague, we've got a girlfriend, we've got the Christian one, uh, we got yeah. the elephant and you're like, do any of these matter? Yeah, no. The grab bag of elements that are ch chosen and how they are used is deeply peculiar. Yeah, but I think that the sort of sketch of an arc that we get out of Abraham's yeah. Yeah. is, you know, he is obsessed with success. He tries to have a sort of normal relationship with this girl, but success right. is more important. Success, yes. he's, he's more obsessed with little and with running yep. than with the girl. Yes, and he's yes, he's definitely more obsessed with beating little, which is its own whole thing that I'm sure we'll talk about when we talk about little. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then on the other hand, you know, you have, I think again, in a different movie, it would be like, and you have the loyal best friend who he repeatedly 
doesn't kind of care (laughs) for emotionally. There's this wild scene. Like, I feel like we should just jump straight to it. To the massage? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. Yeah, the massage scene. The massage scene, you know? You know, with the Olympics. You know the massage scene? Abraham's is, when Montague's watching Abraham's get a naked massage. Yep. You know how you sit with your friends when they're being oiled by another man and then they say um, really like heartfelt emotional things to you? Heartfelt, heartless. Yeah. We just see Montague lose his race by like falling face first in a mud pit because he does the people chase. And like the next scene is Abraham's being like, I'm just so terrified of losing. Like, what will I even do with myself if I lose? Losing is the worst thing you could ever possibly imagine. It's like, well, this is what you just did. I think you could maybe be a little more sensitive. I know, I know. But what, but poor, poor Montague says is never mad. He's never angry. He says nothing, he does nothing. He's sad and bewildered, but he doesn't say anything. No, he doesn't. And then we get a monologue. (laughs) Then we get a monologue that I took down, I think every line of, because it just kept, so it was one of those real fun, this movie is gay watching experiences where I let a line play and then paused it to write it down. And then I let a line play and then paused it to write it down because I was just like every line of this. So Abraham says lying on a table, being oiled (laughs) and having just said a bunch of callous and sensitive shit, Monarchy was sitting there like a sad, wet puppy. And then (laughs) Abraham looks at him and says, uh, it starts with him saying, do you remember when we first bumped into each other, old man? And I was like, yes, drawing our attention back to the meat cute, I noticed. And then, <laughs> and then he fucking sits up on his elbows, looks at him and goes, you, Aubrey, are my most complete man. You're brave, compassionate, kind, a content man. That's your secret contentment. I'm 24, lol, and I've, <laughs> never, and I've never known it. I'm forever in pursuit and I don't even know what it is I'm chasing. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, flip the table, stop the presses. <laughs> I mean, I will fuck? say, A, I enjoyed that Kenneth Branagh watched the scene and was like, that man needs to play Horatio. Yes, yes, yes. Because if there's one thing that spells Horatio, it's sitting there like a sad puppy while your friend says some callous shit to you and doesn't notice your emotional life at all. And then says you're great. <laughs> and then says you're great and that he loves you and that you're his most complete man. Um, no, it is wild. And I think that it kind of connects back to the like headline that I gave to Abraham's right. of like, excellence as spite is gay. Excellence as spite is gay. And I'm really obsessed with that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, I mean, what are you chasing, buddy? What are you chasing? And, and the fact that I don't even know. I'm forever in pursuit and I don't even know what I'm chasing. Which is really interesting, I'm realizing, given what we've said, where he is so able to articulate the thing he claims he's running for. He has said, I do it to prove myself. I do it, you know, because I can't ever truly assimilate into this society. So I have to do something else instead. So then right before Mm -hmm. the sort of gold medal race to say, Mm -hmm. I actually don't know. I don't know why. You're like, so it's not the thing you've been saying all this time. Mm, That's brilliant. Yeah, that's brilliant. That's brilliant to get this far into the analysis and be like, oh, wait, remember how he thinks it's really clear what he is doing all this for? And then at the 11th hour at the critical moment, he's like, actually, I have no idea. I'm only consumed with a bunch of weird feelings that I don't understand. And then it never gets explained he wins he's completely depressed he goes and gets shit-faced with his coach yeah and then like he doesn't join the victory parade and he says or someone says it might be Lindsay who it is who is it Lindsay who says to Monty one -hmm. of these days Monty you're gonna win and you'll find it's very hard to swallow yes which is again so mean (laughs) I know, I know, but it was odd to me that like everyone seemed to understand what where Abraham's was coming from, I guess. Yeah, I mean, again, that would have been something that would have been really interesting to like develop as a thread through this movie. I mean, and it's something actually that Little mm. says early on yeah. when he's basically giving a sermon. Yes. Sidebar, I find it incredibly hilarious that there's all these moments where they're like, and like a talk by 
the run, like a race followed by a talk by the yes. amazing runner, Eric Little. And I'm like, imagine tr- like going to a talk by like your favorite <laughs> athlete because you think, yeah. like, oh, this will be really interesting. And then he gives you a goddamn sermon and you're yeah. like, I'm sorry, what did I sign up for? Yeah. Yeah. But man, those, those fucking like evangelical Scots love it. Oh my God. Yeah. But God, one, of the, one of the things that he says in one of these little like kind of <laughs> racetrack sermons is like, yeah the thing you have to chase in your life is faith and like winning feels great. Watching me win might feel great, but like, what about when you get home? You know, what about a couple hours from now? What about after this moment passes? Yeah. Which again is like Mm. one of these weird things that makes me feel like, is this anti-Semitic? Like if only Mm. Abraham's had a real God Mm. feel this way, he would have something real to run for. Mm. But interesting. It is, and then uh, something that you also made me think of is there's this really, he doesn't join the victory parade. Right. He gets back and he sort of is hiding on the train until everyone's gone except for his girlfriend just like waiting for him. And then he comes out and he sort of notices there's like a sign that's like the next day's headline or the newspaper headline that's like, Mm. Abraham's is the hero of England. Right. Or something like that. Yep. And it's again, like, it's like, there it is. There's the thing you said you wanted. Right. And And you're still sad. Looks away. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. If you think you know why you're doing everything that you're striving for, and then at the very last minute, you confess that you don't know why, and then you get what you said you wanted and you're still sad, that's gay. Yeah. It's like, well, there's something else making you sad. So maybe yeah. maybe yeah. your moment of truest happiness was getting oiled with Montague. <laughs> maybe the closest to actual truth we've ever been was being oiled with Montague. I mean, this is what I was saying about like all of the, you know, movies of this period is like the question they're asking is like a repressed old British man being like, why was this moment of deep physical and emotional intimacy intimacy with other men the happiest moment of my life? I don't understand. Why? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, it's like this actress isn't making him feel any better. No. It's definitely not a realization of, oh my gosh, I let go the love of my life, you know, mm-hmm. for something that doesn't matter. Like there's, no, it's not, not this dramatic reunion. And also she's waiting for him. Like yeah. we both made it very clear that like, yeah, after this, you know, we'll get together. There is this really interesting moment when she's talking to Lindsay, their other friend of all people. Yeah. She like goes to his house and they're like having like a gay girls chat. Yeah. Um, I love Lindsay. <laughs> Lindsay's great. And he's That's like, it. all you can do is let him go and pray that he wins. Yeah. The sense, I guess, being like, if he loses, he will be so intolerable. Yeah, if he loses, he'll be so insufferable. We'll never be able to speak to him again. Yeah, we'll just have to let him go die. I mean, the moment that he does lose briefly, like mm-hmm. at some, at the moment that he does lose to Little, which I think we should talk about when we talk about Little. Yeah, I mean, maybe we should just transition a little bit, a little yeah. bit. Because my headline- How dare you? I'm sorry. <laughs> My headline for Little is um, not being sure if God loves or hates the thing that brings you success and joy is gay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not being sure if like the thing that makes you special is God-given or in fact an affront to God (laughs) is fucking gay. Yes. (laughs) Also, everything about this soft little anxious Scotsman is incredibly gay. Yes. Yes, it is. Yeah. So let's talk about him and Abraham's maybe to start. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, competition energy we've talked about before, but as you kind of teased earlier, I think the funniest thing about the energy between Abraham's and Little is that Little is only sort of vaguely and peripherally aware of him and (laughs) Abraham's is obsessed with Little. Mm-hmm. because like after I was the moment that I was most confused by the structure of the movie is when we establish uh, Montague and Abrahams and Lindsay and everybody at uh, college and mm-hmm. then the movie pivots to Scotland to people we haven't met yet and I was like who the fuck is this where are we going now yeah and I knew like, one of them was Scottish and I assumed yeah. it was Lindsay yeah but then when Little is introduced you know like right from the from the off he has like such a mythic Mm-hmm. status that like obviously the very quickly the myth around him and his insane like immediately people are like he runs like a madman he runs like an animal and like you know his the the 
the whispers sort of reach Abraham's, like little reaches Abraham's by reputation really quickly. Mm -hmm. And you never get the sense that Abraham's has reached little by reputation until much later. Yeah. They have to be like in the same space for Little to notice him. Yeah, well, and Abraham's comes to watch Little run before yeah. Little ever again, like seems Knows. to know that Abraham's exists. And there's this amazing moment yeah. where he's watching him. And as he's watching, he's crushing the like yes. program the for the event, yeah. the pamphlet, like in his hand in this mix yeah. of sort of like envy and hope and like, it's this the very... tension. The tension is homosexual. Yes. And we do sort of get a parallel moment later where um, Little is watching Abraham's Olympic race, which yes. I think is the only time he watches him. Yes, it is. And is just overcome with joy when Abraham yeah. wins. It's yeah, like he a is. He's really moment. happy for him. Yeah. In like this very yeah. sincere way. Yeah. yeah. And there's this energy throughout of like, there's the moment when Little maybe isn't going to compete at all because he refuses to run in this qualifying event on a Sunday. Yeah. And the sort of day is saved at the last minute by Lindsay coming in because Lindsay's going to compete in two races. He's won the silver in his first race. And he sort of comes in and is like, listen, I already got a medal. I don't give care. It, Take give my slot to him, which again, <laughs> you can't do now. Um, and you know, little sort of like overwhelmed, like can't believe he's doing it. And Lindsay says, it's just to get to see you run. Mm -hmm. Yeah, little sort of celebrity status is really, I don't know, there's something, and maybe the religion around him is just such an interesting thing. And I mean, that's mainly what we need to talk about, I think. But in terms of like, there's something touched and weird about mm -hmm. him. And also right from the beginning, I mean, one of my, cause you know, all as your, your headings have been, have been uh, taking us through this conversation quite near the end of my notes, I wrote uh, God slash athletics as ecstatic sensual experience discuss. I mean, and it is for little. It is for little. And from the very beginning, the abandon and the sort of sensual ecstasy of the way that he, he experiences his body mm -hmm. and the way that he connects it to God. Mm -hmm. But you're like, okay, but what is this? Like, there's something really freaky and kind of like possessed and sort of, I don't know. It's like trance-like and equacy. There's something bizarre about it yeah well and it's like the intensity of brevity right yeah like he runs in this one olympics he comes at the beginning of the movie he's just moved back to scotland from china right he kind of blazes onto the scene competes in this one olympics then goes back to china as a missionary and is killed in world war ii yeah. so like what we see in the movie is literally his entire athletic career right and it's just this weird brief bright blaze of like ecstasy as you yeah. say yeah it's incredibly intense and the thing is in that moment like when abraham's is watching him watching him and crushing the pamphlet in his hands what moves abraham's who is so disciplined and determined and focused and you know what abraham's trains all the time mm -hmm. there's there's almost a cross-cutting moment between of, of like training montages between the two mm -hmm. of them at one point and the thing that really struck me is that abraham's as we've said hires a trainer he hires ian holm to train him and get time cut off of his races and make him better and faster and whatever and you know, he works at it as a discipline. Whereas when it cuts to little, he's just like blindly galloping through the heath like a fucking deer. Mm -hmm. And he, he's like a wild thing. Mm -hmm. And he has he has a thing that like Abraham's doesn't have. And you get the sense that the sort of the the abandon that he connects to God is the thing that everybody else wishes that they had. Yeah. And it's why it's so interesting to me that the movie doesn't make more of the fact that they don't face off in the I end. know. I was I waiting for Abrahams to be upset that he wasn't going to get to beat Little in order to win gold. Right. Me too. And it's yet another thing where you're like, you have entirely set up these two, these two men as opposites and rivals. And, we, and the film isn't about them competing. 
Yeah, I mean, and obviously it's like this weird historical accident that they didn't, but right. it's like, so make something of the fact that this weird thing happened. Right, exactly, because Abrahams is obsessed with him from the beginning. And there is a moment, you'll have to help me remember the exact context because I was like, sort of, I, I it was lost in the blur for me, the moment at which they do compete mm-hmm. and Abrahams loses, little beats yeah. him. Mm-hmm. And I know we both commented on it because- it's hilarious because the thing is we've all seen we've seen little win races a few times by this point in the film mm-hmm. and welcome back to my favorite soapbox of 2021 everything is porn um, <laughs> it's me again in the everything is porn corner um the thing is yeah we've got to make a theme song for the everything is porn corner because it's back with a vengeance because the thing is little Aside from flapping his arms like a tiny baby dinosaur, like you said, which he does, mm-hmm. he also like comes. He has an O face at moments when he's either like every into another gear of speed or winning. Yeah. In the final sort of like furlong of every race, he is just absolutely <laughs> coming. He's just jizzing down his leg as he runs. The That's whole like thing. So gross, thing. but like when you watch no, no. it, you'll see that that is what is taking place. It is pure, it is pure money shot. And I mean, like <laughs> the whole thing is so fucked. And also it's just like Abraham's is like at first in the audience, tensely watching him like come in his pants while running this race. And then later when they, when they race, <laughs> when Abraham's loses, there is this like shockingly wild, it's like, filmmaking choice where Abrahams is so gutted to have lost but also so like weirdly entranced by the way in which Little has beat him that he replays the moment in his head a couple of times so we get to watch it a couple of times in Mm -hmm. a row in like slow motion. Mm -hmm. I mean not to like jump right to this but maybe we have to. I think the the epitome of the sort of like yes (laughs) <laughs> running is sex but also specifically gay sex yes is little is trying to explain to his sister who's sort of like you're not you know you're not paying enough attention to the to the ministry you're just running all the time you know a classic <laughs> period drama woman role and yes. he sort of like takes her aside and is like I'm gonna go back to China after this but I'm gonna go to the Olympics first and he sort of explains to her like I feel like I'm honoring God when I run. Like he gave me a gift. It's like the classic thing. Like he gave me a gift. It's a waste if I don't use this gift. You know, he made me a devout man, but he also made me fast. Um, And he says, uh, you know, a bunch of things about how much he loves running. And then he says, when I run, I can feel his pleasure. Which is already pretty gay, but then... Sorry, I'm I'm dying over here (laughs) because of what's happening and what's coming. It what's coming you say how dare you (laughs) in the olympics as he is running so he's competing in the wrong event there's been like a sort of half-hearted attempt to make it seem like maybe he will not be good at this event because he does the 100 meter and this is the 400 meter Mm -hmm. and like the coach said something a while ago like much earlier that was like oh runners like him aren't good at distance like he's a sprinter not that 400 meters is does he does he have the stamina does he have the stamina like they've got the american saying snide things about how he's nothing to worry about um and as he's running he we get in voiceover this monologue that he gave to his sister again and as he sort of bursts forward ahead of the pack he like a close-up on him giving the most like ecstatic orgasmic face he's given yet as as the voiceover says I can feel his pleasure goodbye podcast over podcast ended forever goodbye I mean the thing is you texted me as you were watching it I mean, the man just straight up had an orgasm while saying, I feel his pleasure. He also just like the way that his body, like he like throws his arms up into the air and like throws himself through the ribbon, like through the finish line. Yeah, he throws his head back and his mouth is open. Like it's literally like, and at the same time, there's something that the film makes you, because he constantly equates it to religion. It's this simultaneous athletic feat competing against other men as like saintly transmission, kind of like religious ecstasy moment. And it's just all gay sex. I mean, and to be fair, it's not like moments of religious ecstasy for like, saintly yeah. figures in history are yeah. not sexual. They're all gay. They're, they're I all, mean, yeah. 
Like <laughs> they're all, I sorry. I mean, sorry. They're all gay. Like yeah. it's just like the whole thing is gay. So it was like, I don't know the way that it, the everything that the film tries to do with positioning his devotion to his physical experience of running. It's just like, it all just crescendos into the gnarliest O face you have ever seen on film. You might say it climaxes. <laughs> yeah, you might, you might well say. <laughs> I mean, in a way it's like, that's why we don't need the relationship between him yes. and Abraham's to get sexual because like he's yeah. already pretty monogamous with God. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's having, he's having a really, really sexual relationship with, uh, with Jesus with the lord with the lord yeah i mean it's like i think that there are probably a lot of sports movies we could do because it is that like mix right. of right. homosocial bonding intense competition yep. physical achievement and effort as a means yeah. of sort of bonding and yeah. com- competing and like sort of living in and being in your body yeah I mean, it's the, uh, it's the other kind of physical intimacy besides sex. Yeah, basically. Certainly for men. For men. Um, and then also in this one, God. And also in this one, God. The God wrinkle is so weird because it's like, I don't know. I mean, like, like you said, the only conflict that almost exists is Little's refusal to run on a Sunday because it's the Lord's day. Mm-hmm. And you're just like, what is happening? Like, when do we ever get Christianity as the thing that confers outsider freaky status upon you? It was very, I was like in a movie with a Jewish main character, the fact yeah. that the Christian is the one facing bizarre religious persecution is fascinating. Yeah, it was weird. It was weird. But I was also like, I mean, it, it frustrated me. I, I didn't even, I didn't experience it as so much as religious persecution as just like sort of religious obstinacy. Right. I was like, how dare you? <laughs> Yeah, it's like, just fucking run. But also it's like, or just move the race. Like, I was like, from like a marketing perspective, I was like, you have this amazing runner. Don't not have- Not use him. Just because you like, it's, yeah, it was very, very weird. It is weird. Yeah, I mean, it is a thing that happens, you know, to people. I was reading this article the other day about an Orthodox Jewish basketball player who's apparently Mm. like incredibly talented, but like turned down- all of the big universities because he wouldn't play, you know, on the Sabbath. On the Sabbath, right. But it's like, that is going to be an impediment <laughs> to your career. Um, yeah. And another thing that makes it interesting to me, like the question of Abraham's assimilation or not, because his yeah. Judaism is never a religious element of his no. life. No, no. Um, which is interesting as well. It's not sort of about two religious people no, <laughs> kind of facing it's off. It's not. Right, right. Because Abraham's relationship to his Judaism is entirely cultural. Mm-hmm. And it's entirely in the context of like, you're wrong about me and think that I'm, you know, like it's just about writing what he perceives as a cultural weight against him, which is real. I mean, the cultural <laughs> weight against him is real. But his whole relationship to it seems to be that. Yeah, I mean, it's sort of a weirdly, it's, it's, it is specifically Judaism. Like they do say sort of specifically anti-Semitic things about him, but it's also just yeah. as much about class and being an immigrant. Yeah. Yes. You know, like they say a lot of things about, oh, he has like, he's talking like a tradesman and stuff. Mm-hmm. And there's like other stuff about him not being English. And it's sort of like, well, that could be like a, yeah. like a poor Lithuanian Christian could undergo yeah. a relatively similar experience. Yeah, yeah. They even make a sort of weird argument against him hiring a trainer because yeah. there's something there's something sort of common about trying to become professional rather than like remaining some sort of gentleman amateur, which feels very classist yes. in the English way of the early 20th century. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that part is really interesting as well. And again, another way in which like, I mean, and I think there's a couple ways I feel that the movie is affirming some of the kind of anti-Semitic things or not anti-Semitic, mm-hmm. sort of critical things that people say about you know, Abraham's and his intensity and like, blah, blah, blah. But definitely, I think we're meant to think the coach is a nice guy. Like there's this lovely, yeah. I love, he, he doesn't watch the final race. Oh. He can't bring himself. I loved that. It. And so then he's alone in his room and he hears, he's listening out the window and he hears, you know, cause they play the national anthems 
of the winner on the podium and he hears God save the queen start playing. And he sort of like does a little circle around his room and like sinks down on his bed and then suddenly takes off his hat and punches it. And he's just he punches like, oh. a hole in it. Yeah. It's so and then he sort of like looks at the hat like, oh, I can't believe I did that. And it's like little Ian Holmes, so cute. Like, oh, uh, just really sweet. Like, so you have another home. relationship um, between two outsiders. Yes. That almost could be something. And yeah. Isn't. Yeah, it's true because he's uh, Sam Musabini is that character's name, and mm-hmm. he's uh, Italian, and I'm sure, of course, was a real, you know, a real person. And uh, there, the college don's disapproval is as much about him, the actual mm-hmm. identity of the trainer, as anything else. And so, you know, there's something, there's sort of a frigid little exchange where they're sort of cross-examining Abraham's about who the trainer is. Mm-hmm. And Abrahams takes great pleasure in being like, yes, he's Italian and Arabic. Yeah, yeah. which for a second, of course, we were like, uh-oh. Uh-oh, Ian Holm <laughs> playing an Italian Arab in the 1980s. Yeah, there were a couple shots where after you pointed out, I was like, he's a brown face. There's a little bit of brown face going on. I, I don't think it's just a tan. Yeah, I thought it was at first. And then there's a couple scenes where I was like, they put something there's makeup on this man yeah Yeah, it's a little bit I mean in a similar era it's a little bit unfortunately Ben Kingsley Gandhi Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah but you know (laughs) but you know the 1980s the 1980s we should have mentioned it sooner it is like kind of shocking when you like have this weird speaking of like just like the gay aura that floats around this movie the um sequence that we get for no reason of the American training camp very gay is porn and like you were shocked that there's like a black runner you're like whoa i haven't seen a person of color in this entire movie no no yeah and the americans are very gay there's a you know it is a wild sequence it's just like a bunch of characters we've never met like grunting yeah yep yeah i mean this is the thing is that like we started out this whole conversation by being like well there's not exactly a relationship that's gay and yet as i texted you when we were watching it there is just such a suffused aura of gayness Mm -hmm. that just permeates the whole thing that you're sort of just like well what like i'm struggling to see the plot of this film through the miasma of gayness (laughs) Like, I mean, I think that's what sort of inspired my little headlines is that it's yeah. like each character right. has their own separate gay feeling storyline yeah. that yeah. doesn't really relate to any other characters. One, even but. Lindsay, who we've barely talked about, who is one of the other. I mean, Lindsay is gay. Yeah, Lindsay's just gay. <laughs> Lindsay's, Lindsay's just like Lindsay. I'm here. I'm a gay his man. Place in the Olympics purely just for the pleasure of watching another man run. Yeah, um, I mean, and Lindsay is also like one of those sort of carefree posh boys who in another, in another, you know, he, he like could show up in Woodhouse and not be, and not be unnoticed. You know what I mean? There's something very kind of like, it's Lindsay who's training with the champagne glasses, yes. isn't it? Right. In his like palatial fucking home or whatever. He's Having training. walked around in a bathrobe with no shoes on for a while, decides yeah. to train for a minute. <laughs> Yeah, and so then his his training is that jumping over the hurdles. Yeah, that's his event. He he places glasses of champagne on the hurdles and tries to not knock them over. But I was like, well, that's gay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, he's just got that whole carefree. He so we meet him um, because. Abraham's decides to try and do like this run around, like it's like a thing at their college where it's like you have to run around yes. this square before the clock finishes striking 12. And in 700 years, no one's ever done it. Um, and like seconds before it begins, like he's like getting ready and they've announced that he's going to try. Lindsay saunters up smoking and it's yeah. like, hey, yeah, yeah, I'm going to give it a go too. I'll do it. Yeah, go on then. Like hands yeah. off his cigarette to somebody. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, Lindsay was truly, I was like, tag yourself, it's me. I loved yeah. Lindsay. As soon as Very he sort of- The Emma character. Yeah, I mean, there's always one. As soon as he strolled up with the cigarette and also the wandering around in the bathroom is also sort of a ding, ding, ding on that. But I was just like- this guy doesn't care about anything. What's so fun about him is that he's just like, yeah, I'm just here. I'm everybody's friend. When it is, again, like speaking of things that the movie could go into, it's a, he's the character who wins silver and is like, I'm set. Yeah, I'm That's fine all I need. Mm-hmm, the end. I did it and I'm right. happy with that. Right, and when you have these other two characters who are more forefronted, who are so obsessed, obsessed with coming first, like at all costs mm-hmm. and then and Monty who loses and is sort of shunted into the into the background it is interesting that there is a middle ground character who's like perfectly satisfied with that 
Yeah, it's so interesting. I yeah. I would love to see the version of this movie written differently. I would too. It's more I interested would too. in its characters and how they relate to each other. Do you know anything about the play? Um, I don't know anything about the play except for what I find a very funny fact, which is that um, James McArdle, who played Lewis <laughs> in the National Theater's Big Famous Angels in America, I knew yeah. he played it. I assumed he played the Scottish one because he's Scottish, but no. Right. He's the token pretending to be Jewish man of Britain and he played Abraham's. He's really not Jewish, is he? No. He's got, yeah. No, he is cast, not. Cast a Jewish man, guys. Jesus there are some. Christ. Cast a Jewish actor. There I mean, are like, so that's many. not, I, yeah, I don't know. I, that's not one of the ones I sort of hold a hard line on in the same way with yeah. other types of like racial casting, but I'm just like twice, twice now. Well, that's the, what it's just funny in this case. Just I mean, it knows at this point, isn't it? It's funny at this case because the character is so fixated on his own Judaism. I mean, right. And it's I mean, kind of, as is as Lewis. As is Lewis, as is Lewis, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, those are two particular characters who I'm like, well. Yeah, it's not like incidental. It's not an incidental fact to his being, you know. Oh, there was a really, not to like totally digress into something that's actually gay, but there was a very sort of <laughs> trouble. I like James McArdle a lot. I think he's an incredible actor. I do too. But he had this very odd quote um, when uh, Angels was up where he was like, yeah, I went to New York and I just suddenly, I was like, oh my God, it's Lewis everywhere. And I was like, yes. Yeah. They're called yeah. Jewish men. Yeah. The Jewish men are everywhere. You know? Lewis is a very real person who yeah. very much exists. Yeah. Yeah. That's so funny. Oh my God. I mean, well, I mean, so many, so many, that's so emblematic of just the idea of British people even doing that play and then bringing oh, it bringing it to New York oh, is I know. such an interesting thing. But I mean, yeah, not to totally digress, but it's all the same soup of just like people interpreting certain types of characters. And then I don't know, it's an interesting, it's an interesting thing. Yeah, but no, I don't know much about the play. I think it did like, okay. Um, yeah, I was curious to learn that there was a play when we watched the movie <laughs> and to think about what that might be because like, you know, as people who, now that we've outed ourselves a couple of times as people who, who make theater, uh, you know, of course I couldn't help but be like, how do you do the running? <laughs> yeah, before I'd watched the movie, I just assumed that like, maybe it's not as much about the actual yeah. act of running as I thought, but again, right. like little's kind of ecstasy. Yeah, how do you get that? How do you get it if you can't see him do it? I mean, maybe they show him do it, but. He just has to run in place on like a treadmill with a downward straight down spotlight and like make O faces like directly to the yeah. audience. Yeah, that's right. Just stare at the audience, run in place until you come. <laughs> <laughs> it's a one man show at the fringe. Um, <laughs> oh no. Uh, yeah, I'm sure it's been done. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, what a character. What a character and what a weird, like, usually with sports movies, they are about, if they're not, if they focus on character as little as this one does, they are focusing yep. on like an important iconic moment. Like I kept thinking about this movie that I watched in history class in middle school about the first Olympics, like the first mm -hmm. modern Olympics and like this group of like American athletes who were like training to compete at what was going to be, you know, the very first you know, 20th century Olympics. Right. And like the idea that like, that was about this historic event, but it's like the 1924 Olympics aren't notable. It doesn't turn out to be about like, oh my gosh, and Abrahams was the first Jewish runner. Like it's like, they, it makes no claims to historical significance at no. all. No, except for the fact that Little was such a weird figure who achieved like weird notoriety and then, and then disappeared. It's really odd. Like, yeah, it's just, it's a movie that sort of makes no claims that it's trying to do anything. Yeah, and and yet it has been, I mean, we were both surprised, as we said before, of like, it's been held in such regard, the film, and then to watch it and be like, what is this about besides a gay miasma? And then be like, where is the thing that makes, that distinguishes this in such a way? And then like, I don't know, I mean, like, it ends, it, it ends with the framing device that we've all forgotten about after mm -hmm. they win the Olympics. And there was a moment in the middle of the movie when we're like in the full swing of the story, when, when Abrahams is being angry and explaining himself to Montague, when he says in the, I'm going to be excellent as revenge point that you made, when <laughs> he summarizes that by saying, I'm going to run them all off their feet. 
<laughs> and then the very last line of the film, of course, is Montague and another old man, Lindsay? Maybe? Presumably? Unclear, yeah. Unclear, but is Montague and another old man leaving the service? Mm-hmm. And the last line of the film is Montague saying, he did it, he ran them off their feet. And then there's like a weird epilogue memory of just all of the boys running down the beach together. Yeah, and it's like, did he run them off their feet? Whatever that means. Like, didn't we end with him feeling that this moment of victory was a bit hollow? Like, wasn't that the emotional landing place for this character? Yeah, and then we get his eulogy, Montague sewing up the story in the way that he began it. And then the film actually ends in, again, a way that, so a lot of touches reminded me of Dead Poets Society in a certain kind of way. Uh, in, that, in that way that you were like, what is special about this time in your life where all your major relationships are with these other boys and mm-hmm. you're like engaged in this beautiful thing together. The fact that then it shows them in their youth running down the beach together without a care in the world like full of power and like joy and that's the actual end of the film yeah but it's like that has never felt like what the movie's about I know it's deeply weird but also deeply gay deeply gay Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for joining us this week. Um, we hope that you will, you know, go for a nice run, commune <laughs> with God, have a moment of orgasmic ecstasy. Oof. I won't be doing any of those things, but maybe you will. Um, <laughs> if not, you can find us on Instagram. Uh, yes, you can at this movie is gay podcast. And on Twitter at this movie is underscore gay. You can find us on any podcast purveying platform that you choose. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, etc. You should mm-hmm. subscribe and leave a review while you're there. Please do that. Check in next week where you will find us, as usual. Mm -hmm. Deep in the fields of gay. 